all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Hello, everyone. From MPB Think Radio, this is the original Southern Remedy, where the docs are always in. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. I want to welcome you, those of you who are listening to us live on Wednesday, and those of you who are just waking up on Sunday morning for our repeat show. Today, as usual, it's open mic. It's whatever you want to talk about, and I have a special guest who you will want to want to hear about as well, and I'll introduce him right after we go to the news. Share your questions with us this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. and our phones are open, or send us an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Silicon Valley comes to Trump Tower. As NPR's Alina Soliuk reports, some of the biggest players in the tech industry are joining President-elect Donald Trump for a meeting largely seen as a chance for both sides to repair their relationship. The tech summit has some really high-profile executives. Tim Cook from Apple, Sheryl Sandberg from Facebook, Elon Musk from Tesla, Larry Page from Google, Jeff Bezos from Amazon, Satya Nadella from Microsoft, execs from IBM, Oracle, Intel, others. It's an industry that's been at odds with Trump. They've clashed on encryption, immigration, trade, net neutrality. Silicon Valley generally backed Democrat Hillary Clinton. It's unclear that today's meeting has a specific agenda, but the two sides are expected to discuss taxes, regulation, the economy, and Trump's push for more manufacturing jobs in the United States. One tech company that does not appear to have been invited, Twitter. Alina Selyuk, NPR News. Jurors in the trial surrounding the 2015 shooting massacre at a Charleston church are considering today's testimony from Polly Shepard. The 72-year-old says recounted how Dylan Roof told her to shut up as she prayed aloud and said he would let her live so that she could tell people what happened that tragic day. Roof, a self-described white supremacist, is on trial for the murder of nine black parishioners. The Russian military says Syrian forces have retaken another rebel-held stronghold in eastern Aleppo. It also accuses the opposition of violating a short-lived ceasefire that was intended to allow thousands of civilians and rebel fighters to evacuate eastern Aleppo. U.N. human rights officials are urging world powers to prevent a Rwanda-like genocide in South Sudan by deploying promised troops. NPR's Michelle Kellerman reports on a U.N. meeting in Geneva called for by the United States. Yasmin Suka heads a U.N. Human Rights Commission that's been looking into the conflict in South Sudan, and she's sounding the alarm about hate speech and sexual violence in the world's newest nation. I describe the level of gang rape in this conflict as epic. To be a frank, we are running out of adjectives to describe the horror. South Sudan is also facing near-famine conditions, and the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. Human Rights Council is calling for unfettered access for aid workers. South Sudan has just kicked out a second official from one aid group, the Norwegian Refugee Council. Michelle Kellerman, NPR News, the State Department. 
Cuisinart has launched a voluntary recall of roughly 8 million food processors. Consumers complain that they found fragments of blades in their food. The Consumer Product Safety Commission says it has received 30 reports of tooth injuries as well as mouth lacerations. The recall affects defective processors sold in the U.S. and Canada from July 1996 to December of 2015. The Dow is off 22 points. You're listening to NPR News. Fans are remembering actor Alan Thicke, who died yesterday from a heart attack. He was 69 years old. As NPR's Andrew Limbong reports, even though Alan Thicke was most known for his on-screen TV roles, he was also an accomplished songwriter. Sure, you saw a lot of Alan Thicke on TV in the 80s and 90s, especially on Growing Pains. Well, I learned my lesson, Dad. I'll never do that again. No, you won't, Mike. Because you're grounded for the rest of your life. But you also probably heard a lot of his work, too. Now the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. He composed a lot of theme songs for TV shows Different Strokes and its spin-off, The Facts of Life. You take a look, you take a bag, you take a walk, and there you have the facts of life. And themes to game shows, Wheel of Fortune, Celebrity Sweepstakes, Blank Check. Thicke also wrote for TV, his own late-night TV shows, as well as for Olivia Newton-John and Richard Pryor. Andrew Limbong, NPR News. More economic data out today. Not much of an increase in retail spending heading into the holiday shopping season. The Commerce Department finding that in November, sales rose only a tenth of a percent. The estimated growth was revised downward for the month before. Unusually warm weather is accounting for a four-tenths of a percent drop in the U.S.'s factories, mines, and utilities for November. In the Federal Reserve's latest assessment on industrial production, the reduction in output was the largest since March. The Fed's policymakers will soon conclude two days of talks, and they're widely expected to raise interest rates for the first time in a year. Rates have been near rock-bottom levels since the Great Recession. U.S. stocks lower with the Dow off 22 at 19,888. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Pajamagram Company, offering 27 matching holiday pajamas for the whole family, including cats and dogs, and with Charlie Brown and Norman Rockwell themes. In knits, fleece, and flannel. More at pajamagram.com. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hey, welcome back to Southern Remedy, and I hope you're having a nice holiday season, watching your weight. Uh, I'm trying to do that, but it's tough. And uh, spreading a little joy to those around you. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, Professor of Medicine and Pediatrics, and it's open mic on the original Southern Remedy. That means whatever you want to talk about uh, is okay with us. We'll try to answer any questions, medical questions that you have, and fill in any gaps you have about, about personal medical or family medical issues or um, any anything medicine. We're, we'll give it a shot. <clears throat> if we don't know the answers, we'll either look it up or refer you to an appropriate source. So give us a call. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I'll say that much slower. 
one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. All of our lines are open. Now is the time to call. Usually we fill up at the end of the program and and don't get to a couple of folks, and that always gives us heartburn and makes us feel bad. I'm very, very fortunate to have one of uh, my colleagues uh, from UMC who is actually one of my doctors, uh, and he has a increasingly rare, especially now, it's called general surgery. Most surgeons used to be general surgeons, and that was they did most everything. But now everybody is specializing in toenail surgery and nasal hair removal and everything else. So uh, sometimes uh, you uh, sort of get to the wrong place. And so I usually send my patients who need surgical procedures to the general surgeon uh, unless it's very, very clear they need a specialist. And and, uh, and so Dr. Thomas Helling uh, is one of those folks, and he's been very helpful get, helping me get places people to the right place and i understand you you do sort of every day part of your surgery is a lot of laparoscopic surgery because y'all have really stopped doing a lot of open procedures like you used to you still do them there's certain things you have to do that way but what are the primary laparoscopic procedures folks are getting now well, of course, the most common laparoscopic procedure is gallbladder surgery, which mm-hmm. I think has been a, a major advance in the field of general surgery over the past uh, 20, 30 years. You, um, did, you did my laparoscopic surgery, and uh, we had an office party scheduled, and uh, that was the next night. And uh, you gave me permission, it may, you may want to rescind that now, but uh, to... <laughs> go to that party at my house and we so we welcomed a hundred guests uh you know not the same night but the next night and and i i really couldn't believe uh how well i did and fortunately i did not have any of the complications which you told me so when you have a laparoscopic procedure you always tell people what to look for right well of course uh and with any type of surgery, there can be complications, even though with some procedures that risk is is very low. Yeah. It still can occur. Bleeding problems can occur, infections. Um, and we always mention to patients who are going to have a laparoscopic procedure that once we start that procedure, it may not be possible to finish it laparoscopically. We might have to make a bigger incision and do the operation like... We like the usual, yeah. yes. If right. if you can't see the anatomy, right. right. So I cut you off before you finished, and we're going to go to Gulfport, Oxford, and Corinth, and your house. <clears throat> if you give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine surgery here with medicine and pediatrics here with professor of surgery, Dr. Tom Helling, who is an expert and experienced general surgeon. Something you want to. Uh, have a name in your pocket about, so it's great to have him with us. So the other procedures before we go to Gulfport are that you do commonly laparoscopically in addition to um, gallbladders or what? Well, now we do uh, appendectomies laparoscopically, for uh, generally speaking, and also uh, some types of anti-reflux uh, surgery. Bariatric surgery, of course, uh, is commonly done laparoscopically, and and many times colon surgery can be done laparoscopically. That's just amazing. And the reason it's amazing is because the recovery period is just cutting nothing, right? It 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 is shortened significantly. Yeah, I mean, and and when you put old people, 
to bed, they get weak and get right. all kinds of complications, and they, they get up and walk now with this stuff. So this right. is just amazing. Right. Yeah. So uh, it's all things considered. We'll talk about anything. And let's go to Gulfport and talk to Richard. Hey, Richard. Hello. Good morning. Thanks for your call. I was wondering what the different, uh, what are genes and chromosomes? Okay. Where are they located in the body? All right. I heard Dr. Mayo from the Mayo Clinic pioneered the gallbladder surgery. Okay. Well, let's do, let's do both of those real quick. And thank you for your call, and a big shout-out to all you folks in Gulfport. What are chromosomes? Chromosomes are the structures in the center of the cell that uh, contain the DNA, the genetic material that's passed on from generation to generation. Yeah, they, 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 and they sort of are the machinery, right, that, right. that, that uh, make the proteins in our body that cause us to be human, right? Exactly. So you got the cell... Uh, and in it, you got the nucleus, and in the nucleus is all of is think of the the nucleus as the brain of your cells, and it has chromosomes in there that are basically the computer with all the stored memory to tell it what to signal uh, the components in outside of the nucleus to do. So it's the brain of the cell. Who who invented? Did you say that Mayo at Mayo Clinic did the first gallbladder surgery? Well, I'm not I don't know about sure that they did, but the Mayo brothers were innovators in surgery and pioneers, and certainly they were among the first, if not the first, to to make this kind of surgery available and safe. So what is what is the uh, what is the gallbladder for? The Why gallbladder, do you have it? Well, the gallbladder stores a, a material made by the liver called bile, B-I-L-E, not B-O-W-E-L. Mm-hmm. Um, bile aids in digestion of certain food substances um, like fats um, that you ingest. And uh, in order to break those fats down and to absorb them, uh, you need bile and the contents. Well, but you cut bile. it out. It must not be too important. Well, the body, or the liver, continues to make bile without the gallbladder. The gallbladder merely stores and concentrates it, and then uh, uh, empties it into the small bowel when you eat through the action of some hormones. Without the gallbladder, that that bile is still being made and still being uh, excreted into the intestine to aid in digestion. But if you eat a big fatty meal and you don't have that thing to squirt some extra fatty stuff in you might have some trouble with well some people experience some diarrhea without the gallbladder if that's the case so i think there has to be some attention made to the diet afterwards all right Uh, so you got a twofer on that one uh richard and i hope you got what you needed let's go to dan in corinth hey dan dan you there hello dan Hello, how are you gentlemen today? We are very, very pleased to hear you calling us. What's going on? Uh, I'm a 38-year-old truck driver, and I've just come to the realization that I have a small umbilical hernia. How uh, dangerous is that? Well, uh, is it does it cause pain? No. You just noticed a little bulge? A bulge from the left side uh, protruding into the belly button. If I cough, I can feel it inflate. Well, the, 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 there, there can be problems associated even with small umbilical hernias. Um, 
some of them don't need to be fixed if they're not causing any trouble. Uh, others, uh, if they are symptomatic, uh, probably should be repaired. The best thing to do is have it checked out by your family doctor and see what she or he thinks. Well, I will just tell you that many family doctors don't know what is a significant uh, uh, umbilical hernia, and many internists and pediatricians like me don't know either because the people come in with these things, and we can feel a little bowel in there, and it's, it looks like it's a cosmetic problem. And then we go tell people like Dan, well, as long as it doesn't hurt, uh, you know, don't worry about it. And uh, we're concerned that the gut in there will get torqued, and they'll really get sick, and we don't know how big we they ought to be before we refer them. So I think we end up over-referring. So how do, how do, give him and me some help with that well they can you know they can always be repaired and the repair generally is pretty uh, pretty simple procedure um there has to be some limitation of activity afterwards for several weeks but the repair can be done as an outpatient type surgery mm-hmm. um my my general approach is if the patient is not having any pain or tenderness um i don't push for surgery uh uh, now, there is a small risk, uh, as Dr. DeShazo said, that this could all of a sudden some fatty tissue could get trapped in that uh, and cause a significant amount of pain and actually become sort of an emergency. But, That's what they call strangulation. Right? Uh, strangulation, right. Um, but generally speaking, when I see people who have umbilical hernias uh, and they're not uh, causing pain and they're not tender to examination, uh, things kind of easily can poke back in when I push on the navel. Um, I don't push them to have surgery. Now, they may want it because of this fear that maybe it could strangulate, and that's fine. I would go ahead and do that. But. Dan, are you in the Victoria's Secret uh, annual competition? Uh, <laughs> by, by, by no means. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, if you were in the Victoria's Secret annual competition, it might be something cosmetic that you'd want to get fixed. Uh, but uh, what about bending over and lifting? He's a truck driver, so he has to do a lot of that kind of thing. Will straining pop it out and make it worse? It might, but listen, if you strain and it does cause pain, that's a reason to get it fixed. Okay. Uh, Dan, we did the best we could on that because there's no yes or no answer. Is that helpful? That is extremely helpful. I really appreciate it. Okay, and thank you for your call. Drive safely and have a great holiday. We're uh, Southern Remedy. Uh, And it's all things considered. We'll take your calls on anything. I'm Dr. Rick here with Dr. Thomas Helling, a general surgeon. And there's just about anything that you can think of, we're interested in it. So give us a call. We're at 1-877-672-7464, 1-877-MPB-RING. It's all things considered on this Dr. Call-In show, Southern Remedy. So let's go to Columbus and Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey, good morning, man. Uh, I'm in my mid-50s, and they had a blood test for the first time in a long time, and they told me everything is good except I have some liver enzymes that are elevated. Mm-hmm. They told me to stop taking Tylenol, which I never take. This mm-hmm. stuff doesn't do anything for me. I just take an aspirin. Mm-hmm. And uh, stop drinking, which I don't drink uh, maybe every once in a great while, mm-hmm. a wedding or something. But uh, when they say my enzymes are uh, mildly elevated there uh, due to those things, um, what are they talking about? I know enzymes facilitate a reaction, but uh, uh, 
what would cause okay well i'll start on this and let dr helling help me on it are you overweight yes sir okay well just about everybody in mississippi 75 percent of our population is overweight uh or obese and when that happens you get fat deposited in your liver it's called hepatic steatosis and that uh, can actually lead to cirrhosis of the liver without ever drinking a drink. In fact, it has now gotten to be the most common cause of cirrhosis, which is fatty liver in all our folks who are overweight and have fat deposited in there. And usually one of the findings with that is a uh, little bit of elevation of a couple of enzymes, and those are the two they're talking about, that are showing that the liver is unhappy with this situation. And so um, when you get that, we want to keep you from, first of all, we want to encourage you to lose weight, which is always difficult, and that's we can talk about that if other folks want to talk about our formula for weight reduction, no charge, no diet, uh, uh, later. But um, wh- when your liver is a little bit unhappy, then y- there are things that, normally make it unhappier like alcohol and large doses of Tylenol and some other drugs that we ask people not to use. So that's the story of what's going on. Fortunately, only a small percentage of people who have hepatic steatosis uh, get uh, this cirrhosis. Now, there's some other causes like infectious diseases, and we usually get some other testing if you have this just to make sure you don't have those. Okay. Well, okay. yes, I would I would add to that, you know, hepatitis C is a prevalent form of hepatitis in the United States now. And just make sure that uh, there are tests to detect that. And in fact, there are cures for that devastating form of, of hepatitis now. So I would make sure you didn't somehow contract that type of disease and that that should be very easy to do with the blood test. Yeah, you know, the, there are recommendations now by some of the uh, agencies that make recommendations that every baby boomer should be tested for hepatitis C. It's a sexually acquired disease. It can also be bloodborne, and it's now curable yes. for the first time. So, right. uh, and it can lead to cirrhosis too. So, let's sum this up. What you need to do is talk to your doctor, uh, get more information, make sure he's excluded uh, hepatitis B and C infection and some of the others. And uh, then uh, uh, let that be followed and try to lose a little weight if he thinks it's due to your weight issue. So that's uh, uh, if you want to know some more about that, I've got a whole bunch of information. If you send us an email at Southern Remedy at MPB online, I can send you some more info on that. Thank you so much for your call. Jay, who is the next person up? We got Jim in Biloxi. All right. Hey, Jim. Yes. What's happening in Biloxi? Well, I have had uh, prostate cancer um, about seven years ago and had a radical prostatectomy for that, and then got a couple of hernias uh, after that. I guess uh, my muscles were weak down there and was lifting too much, and I'd gotten a hernia on both sides. And then I developed some scar tissue uh, in my lower intestine. I believe they were calling that the ileum that has put me in the hospital a couple of times. Um with partial blockage, where I had to be in the hospital about five days with a tube up my nose, down into my stomach, and on an IV. And not, not good. 
not fun. doing it. And yeah. we went through the ER yeah. times to do that. And the ER surgeon or the surgeon that was on call for the ER said that they didn't really want to do surgery to remove that scar tissue because he was worried it would cause more. And of course, I didn't really want surgery, but I didn't want to have to live with this either. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering. Well, you got an expert to help you on this, uh, Jim. I think we lost your signal, but we certainly got your call. And I know you're listening to your radio, so we will give you the answer from an expert here. So he's had at least one abdominal surgery and maybe more. I didn't have a chance to ask him about other surgeries. So people have had uh, previous abdominal surgery get these problems where they get an episodic intestinal obstruction it's unusual isn't it but it does occur it's unusual but it does happen and it's due to scar tissue forming as a result of any surgical procedure and sometimes that scar tissue will trap and twist uh, the intestine and cause a partial or even a complete blockage we try to manage those without surgery and and most of the time we're successful i think if he's having recurrent episodes uh, often enough um, there should be some consideration given to uh, uh, surgery to try to repair that. Area. And again, you know, like we've already said, it's a whole different deal now than it used to be. Used to, if you've never seen a picture of the intestines, Google it and look. It's like this. Uh, it's like this giant snake with coils connected with this fibrous tissue. It's like an accordion. Looks like an accordion to me. People have no idea what it looks like. That's how you keep all that gut in your stomach. It's all folded on layers on top of each other because it's what? How many feet of it? It's a whole bunch of feet of it. A whole bunch of feet. And uh, and so it's folded and kept together with this accordion that does not play on tune sometimes. And, um, but used to, I, I used to, when I was a medical student, I watched you guys do this with people have recurrent obstruction and have to have tubes put down and and feel miserable and vomit and all this kind of stuff, you would open them up and string this out and try to get... Now you just do that with a laparoscope and you don't cause the additional adhesions that the old surgery caused, or do you? Right. No, we would would consider laparoscopic surgery with this, but it may very well uh, entail uh, having to make a bigger incision uh, depending on the situation, but... Yes, I think if you're having episodes that take you by surprise, put you in the hospital four or five days, uh, and uh, have occurred time and time again, I think the surgeons probably should think about an operation. So it's time for a second opinion. I'd call my surgeon back and ask him uh, if uh, if he still thinks that you probably ought not to do this, uh, have surgery for it, that you'd like to get a second opinion because... Um, you're concerned about traveling and living and having this just pop up at the most. It always will occur Friday afternoon at five o'clock when you're on the way out of town in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so, so I would definitely uh, ask him if he would refer you for a second opinion, if he feels strongly about this and in particular to somebody who does laparoscopic surgery. Now I, I know you have to say that, and it's really important. Anytime you have laparoscopic surgery, that always means that you could have to have an open procedure. That's correct. That's you just gotta gotta look for that. Listen, we have some open lines. You've got a general surgeon, a real good one, Doctor Helling here, and Doctor Rick. 
And it's all things considered on Southern Remedy. So give us a call. We're at one eight seven seven MPB Ring, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to Saucier, Saucier and Biloxi and your house if you give us a call right after this break. Support for MPB comes from the Pediatric and Congenital Heart Center of Alabama at Children's of Alabama, a cardiovascular care center for children in Birmingham, Alabama. More at childrensal.org heart. British scientists want to fight malaria by splicing a gene into mosquitoes. It spreads and it spreads and it spreads, and this is the fantastic thing because... In a very short amount of time, you can actually transform an entire wild population into a modified population. I'm Robert Siegel. The benefits and risks of using powerful new techniques to fight disease. Later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, and I'm here with Dr. Thomas Helling. Uh, you've got a medicine, pediatrics, and general surgery covered, so I think you're in pretty good shape to ask whatever you want, and we'd love to have your call. We're here to serve you at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And I'm going to try this. John, are you there? John, are you there? Hey, John. Hey, I'm going to try to say your city correctly. I have. I want to apologize to everybody down there. I have called it everything from saucer to saucier to whatever, and I always get messed up because I lived in Louisiana all the time, and they always use the French name. It's saucer, isn't it? What is it? I'd say saucer, like S O S S O. S-H-A. Okay. I, I'm writing that down, but I'm sure I'll lose the place I wrote it. So sure. And uh, what do they do in so sure? What do y'all do down there? Just stay out of Gulf Court as much as we can. <laughs> that was unkind. Now we're going to get some nasty notes from Gulf Court. Uh, is that, is that, is that, that's not on the coast, is it? Or is it on the coast? It's, it's on the coast. We're, you know, it's, it's out Highway 53 going toward Poplarville. Gotcha. Arena. Gotcha. Well, let me tell you, I have met some really nice people from there. I have some patients that come up from there, and they're just the salt of the earth. So I'm sure you're one of those. What's your question? Well, I went to a podiatrist the other day because I was having problems. I didn't know if it was bunion or a corn. I tried those removers, and it was still giving me fits. And he, he did a Doppler test on my lower right leg. Mm-hmm. On my foot, 
and it was like no blood flow. He said he said I needed to go to somebody and get that fixed because it said that could end up with losing a foot. So it's got me kind of freaked out. I don't have any insurance. I'm kind of I retired early, right? And I, I'm in between. 60, you know, I'm, I'll be 64 next year, so I just I'm trying to see who do I need to go see. And are you uh, having any pain in your leg uh, when you walk or during activity? Yes, I was, I, and my my general doctor gave me some what gabapentin. Yes. So that that seemed to be taking care of that, but you know I do have weakness. And my right, my right leg. Well, what you what you probably should do is see a, a vascular surgeon. Uh, I don't know uh, of any on the coast, but I think it'd be very important to get that evaluated. Um, do you smoke? Yes, I'm, I'm I'm taking Chantix now. I'm trying to get get off of that. You know, the most important thing you could do for your legs at, uh, until you see the vascular surgeon is stop smoking. I know that's hard to do, but that would have the the most impact on this the uh, disease of your blood vessels. Uh, but but still, I would get to a vascular surgeon and let them evaluate your leg and look at the uh, studies that have been done and 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 uh, talk to you about the, any treatment they might recommend. So, if uh, John, the the big thing that we you have what's called PAD. You've heard about that on TV peripheral arterial disease probably but that's best we can do over over the uh radio and uh the the problem is you get cholesterol plaques in like you have in the heart with heart disease in your leg and it blocks the blood flow to your leg and you start losing uh the the quality skin repair mechanisms that are usually in place so this is this is really a crucial issue and you you basically need a general medicine uh workup as well with your blood sugar and your cholesterol and so forth uh um, well, I, I had that done you know about three months ago he said everything looked great okay so so here's what you need to do was that a family medicine doctor or who was that it was my, yeah, my general practitioner. Yeah. Let your general practitioner help you find a vascular surgeon, okay? Because you okay. need to see a vascular specialist. He will know someone who is willing to work out a payment plan for you. Uh, and if not, he will get in touch with the folks at UMC uh, and refer you uh, up here for that to be looked at. That really needs to be sorted out fairly quickly so I, I would pursue that and if you can't get any help down there if you'll call our main operator 984-1000 ask for patient assistance uh, they will help you work through this okay what was that number again Not 601-984-1000 but let your local doctor help you first because he's going to know somebody local who can probably help you with this okay Thank you very much. Good, I appreciate to, good it. to hear from you, and thank you for calling. You're listening to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. We're at one eight seven seven, that famous one eight seven seven MPB ring number, and taking any calls that you have. Let's go to Biloxi and Sharon. Hey, Sharon. Yes. How are you? 
I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for this your call. It's not a surgical question. No, uh, we are taking about... all questions on any topic. So whatever you want to ask is wonderful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, I'm 77, and I'm getting conflicting information about colonoscopies. Do I need one? As often, or how often do I need one at this age? Okay, there I've is had no problem. There is presently. We'll see what the surgeon says about this. I'll get started. There, there is uh, presently a uh, an effort to limit medical resources, and some of the people who are getting limited on are seniors. Okay, and let me tell you the one about colonoscopy. If uh, they figure that if you're not going to live 10 years and it takes you 10, 10 years to grow a colon cancer, that there's no use doing it on you. You can just get the colon cancer. I don't like that. Uh, I think that stinks. But that is the present recommendation. If uh, And uh, fortunately, at your age, you still got roughly, no matter what's wrong with you, about 10 years left. So... Uh, if you don't have any reason not to have a colonoscopy, then uh, I would get one as long as I could get somebody to do it uh, because colon cancer is not what I want to die with. And if How they, often should I have one? Every 10 years unless you have polyps, and then you should have it every three to five years depending on what kind of polyps they are and how many there are. Now let's see okay. what Dr. Helling says. Oh, I completely agree with that. He's the guy that right. takes the colon out. You haven't had colon cancer before, have you? No, no problem. And Never. I'm expecting to live at least 20 more years. Given my <laughs> well, good, I, good for you. Sounds like good you for could. You. Yes. Yeah. Um, when, when was the last colonoscopy you had? Oh, it's probably been seven years ago. I would, I would think you should have another one. I mean, what? Yeah, why not? Uh, yeah. yeah, and your insurance will pay for it. And if they don't, raise you know what? Because uh, there's no reason you shouldn't have it. And the colonoscopies now are very low risk. Very low risk. Now remember that the older that you are, the more their risk is of perforating your gut when the colonoscopy is done because like everything else the colon goes south and the 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 tissue is not as good as it used to be when you were 18 but that risk is very low so let me tell you I'll see you in the in the colonoscopy suite because I'm going to have one right up until the time I take my last breath uh, regularly cuz I don't want that colon cancer and thank you for your call Thank you. Good to talk to you. Let's go to Thomas in Starkville. Hey, Thomas. Thomas, you with us? Hello. Hi, things in Starkville. Yes, Stark Vegas. Stark Vegas, the uh, the second most intellectual place uh, in Mississippi, according to people in Oxford. I'm not sure they don't have it flipped, but that's what they say. <laughs> okay. Uh... <laughs> I don't feel so intellectual. That's why I'm leaning upon your neurons. Okay, right. Well, we don't feel too intellectual ourselves. That's why we're here with you. So we we enjoy people who are uh, not too hot on how intellectual they are. So what, okay. how can we help? Well, um, back in July, I had um, – I was talking to getting – a shot of something called Lupron, L-U-P-R-O-N, to yeah. bring down the male hormones to help fight cancer treatment. Yeah. And 
I was under the impression that that had to treatment had to be done every so often to keep up the effects. And well, here it is, about five months later, and I still having big time night sweats, day sweats, chills, fevers, you name it. Oh my goodness! It's, it's all over the chart, and I'm wondering. Is this? Is there any hope? This is eventually going to go away. Okay, so Lupron. Uh, one of the one of the treatments for prostate cancer. Yeah. Is uh, w- what is called uh, get, getting your getting your male hormone shut down. That can be yeah. done a number of different ways. It can be done by taking your testes out, which is the last thing you want to have done. <laughs> it can be do- done by giving you shots that turn off the production of the male hormone because usually the prostate cancer likes to have a lot of male hormone testosterone alone. So uh, one of the simplest ways to see if you can uh, not cure it but stop it from growing is to start with some of these agents like Lupron, which turns off your testosterone. And, yes, you have to have uh, repetitive injections have you found, uh, Dr. Helling, how often it's being prescribed now? We're, we're looking it up. I don't usually prescribe There it. are various uh, dosage schedules. Uh-huh. Um, so who is giving this to you? Are you going to a urologist that's managing this? Yes, a urologist, uh, Dr. No, Don't, don't have me his name because I want you to pick up the oh. phone right now and call him up and tell him or her that you, you've had one Lupron shot, you're still having night sweats and so forth, and you would like to be seen immediately, okay? Because something's okay. wrong. Something's wrong. Uh, they've disconnected. They've lost your number. Uh, you know, something's going on. And if, if that doesn't, if he doesn't get that straight right away, then you need to see a primary care doctor to find out why you're having these fevers and s- stuff because it may be something else. But start with your urologist. Call him today. You're correct. You you probably okay. should have had another one already, and certainly he should know if the first one didn't start working. Okay? Okay. All right. Thanks for your call. Thank you very much. All right. Let's go to John. John, I, I know that you've been waiting a long time. I'm sorry. Uh, I understand you've had having some trouble with your finger. I am. I'm trying to figure out, is a jammed finger or worse? Uh how many days after you jam your finger should you be more concerned? And uh, even more than that, I guess, if you go in after it's been five days to a week, can they even do anything for you? Well, can you can you move your finger? I mean, can you make a fist or straighten your fingers I out? I can't touch the tip of my finger to my wrist without moving the rest of my hand to help me do so um, it, without more pain. I mean, but I, I have maybe 40 to 70, 40 to 60 percent motion without any pain and then at the top end trying to straighten it all the way out and then trying to close it all the way in has pain and you said it's but, been and you said it's been about what five days since the incident? um it's been since friday what did you do um i tripped and tried to catch myself and you and, caught uh, it with you caught it with not, your finger or what you landed on your finger or what um, I jammed my finger into a, a disc. Okay. Does it look deformed? I mean, does it look like it's... No, it doesn't look deformed. It had some... It didn't have any real coloration at first, but the second day it did have the 
the red and blue. There wasn't any green that some people tell you, you might have green. You probably broke it, but um, yeah, the color went away, you know, within a few hours or maybe half a day. Do you think it's getting better or getting worse? I would say it's probably getting better, but I didn't know if there was a time frame like, you know. Well, you why, don't, why don't you do this? Why don't you wait another few days and see if it continues to improve? And uh, if not uh, any better or not completely normal in a week or so, then I'd probably have it checked out. All right. I agree with that. That sounds like a reasonable thing to do. It's really the the thing that that you're concerned about when you have this is losing range of motion in that finger. If you don't use any joint, it freezes. So it's very important that you do your own physical therapy at home in putting that finger through a range of motion uh, as much as you can and seeing each day if you can make that a little bit more normal. And if you if you get to the point where you can't do that, then you need to definitely have it x-rayed and so forth and so on. Okay? Thanks. All right. Well, you got a duo answer on that one. And let's go to Laurie in Oxford. Hey, Laurie. Hey. What's happening in Oxford, the center of all knowledge? No, nothing much. That's I what I thought. Stuff. Yeah, everybody's going on vacation, all those all those PhDs are getting ready to go to go home to well going to skis what they're doing. <laughs> Meanwhile, us doctors are still working uh, the whole holiday, uh, so you know we 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 take some. Uh, well, they're going to already get mad at me, so I'll quit. <laughs> well, I have to wait for the students to go. Yeah, oh, yeah, right, right. You can actually get a seat at a restaurant. Yep, yep. I got you. <laughs> What's or going drive on? Drive around town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's What's going on with you? Earlier, y'all were talking about hepatitis C being what? sexually transmitted. That's one and of the ways. My ex-husband. Say what? That's one of the ways you can get it by blood okay. too. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but my ex-husband. This is about fifteen years ago. He had Hep C, mm-hmm. and uh, his internal medicine doctor told me that there was a one percent or less chance of catching it. Has that changed? I don't think that number is correct. Right. I think it's higher than that, right. uh, oh. and it doesn't make any difference if it's one percent or not. You don't want it because oh, it's I associated know. I've been with. Tested quite a few times. Yeah, it's associated with not only with this hepatitis, which is inflammation of your liver. It's, it's associated with liver cirrhosis and liver cancer. So it's a preventable cause of cancer. That's why we're all over it, just like we try to you know, do immunizations for things that could really damage you. So uh, if you've been checked, you're fine, but I'm glad you gave us the opportunity to, to clear this up. Anybody who is of a certain age, that is, Anybody who's been sexually active, and especially if you've been sexually active during the 60s and 70s, when there was a lot of sexual activity, well, this is right now, too. In fact, um, Mississippi like is a number one uh, number one for new cases of HIV, d- depending on who you believe, one or three. We're also number one or three for new cases of syphilis. So there's all kinds of sexually acquired diseases being passed around because people have stopped using universal precautions like dodos. So um, this is if you if you're having regular sexual activity with somebody you don't know their medical status, whether or not they've been tested, you probably need to see your doctor and get tested for HIV and 
hepatitis C at regular intervals. Um, so when was the last time you were checked? Uh, about two months ago. Okay, good. All right. How and often do I need to be tested? Is your husband uh, has your husband been treated? Or it's my ex husband. Yeah. You're not with him anymore, right? Correct. Well, then you don't have to worry. You have to worry well, about I, the I one you're with. The other day, just to make sure. Yeah, yeah. You have to worry about the one you're with, if you know what right. I mean. Okay. And a lot of the ones you're with have something. So, if you're going to start a sexual relationship with a new partner, it is reasonable a to make sure you use double protection uh, to start with. If you're in, if you're if you're able to have babies, you want to use a condom for him and something for you, preferably. Uh, and, and, and you want to, that's the first step. And if you're going to have a long-term relationship, then well, preferably you'd have him check first, but they usually won't do that. If you're going to have a, a long, an ongoing relationship, you want to have that male have be checked for HIV and hepatitis C and syphilis before you, you know, continue with that, unless you get it. Hey, we're going to be back in just a second. Jay, is that what's going on? Or are we done? No, we've got uh, we got another segment. Oh, good. So we're going to go to Lewis, Louisville, and uh, and to Cleveland, and your house. If you give us a call, one eight seven seven MPB ring. up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hey, we're back with Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick here with my surgeon colleague, Dr. Helling, and it's All Things Considered. We've got a few more minutes to take your call and a couple of open lines. We're at one eight seven seven MPB ring, one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're going to Louisville and Cleveland and to your house if you give us a call in just one minute. So <clears throat> I uh I forgot to mention um that the transmission of hepatitis C is still going on because of not only sex, you can get it other ways. Right. I think that uh, the real surge in hepatitis C came probably from uh, the surge in tattooing, uh, particularly for people that had been to Southeast Asia yeah. 
uh, some years ago. And uh, poorly regulated tattooing, I think, is a good way to transmit the virus. Yeah, so you can still get it, especially if you're doing home stuff and having the needles that are not appropriately cleaned and and using ballpoint pens and all the other crazy stuff that's going on with that. So, uh, you know, if you're going to get a tattoo, make sure that it is done by somebody who knows what they're doing. And I, I guess they are licensed. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Either. That's God, one thing I haven't done yet is a tattoo. But uh, well, I was thinking about either. Santa Claus, uh, to Santa Claus tattoo since it's the holidays. But, I, I, you know, I'm a little, little equivocal about that. And the, the other thing is last week uh, someone – uh, called about um, uh, antibiotics before uh, dental surgery in people who have prosthetic hips and other joints. And uh, that person, thank goodness, called, and we had to look it up on the air because we thought it was no longer necessary. Well, the orthopods have come out with some new regulations. Folks don't understand that we don't have agreements among us on when you use these and when you don't. So... I just wanted to emphasize that, that uh, if you have a prosthetic joint and you're going to have your dental uh, work done, then you need to have your dentist consult the new guidelines. I also needed to mention that if you're traveling, it's very, very important, especially if you're on an airliner or something else, to get up and walk around at least every hour because we're really concerned about pulmonary emboli occurring in people who do long-term travel, even if you're driving for a long-term. What usually happens is people drink caffeinated um, beverages, they get dehydrated, their blood gets thick, they don't move around, and they get clots in their legs, and they flip them up to their lungs, and then they have problems. So it's very important to stay hydrated and walk around, stand up at your seat. Uh, Your seat's no good if you're on a plane anyway, at least where I'm sitting, uh, and just sort of move around a little bit. And uh, and then you can sit back down. So that's pulmonary embolism protection. Let's go to Charles in Louisville. Hey, Charles. Charles, you still there? Did I run you off? Hey, Charles. Charles, you there? I think Charles went to sleep. Charles was calling about his big toe. And we'll try to find him. But let me tell you, anytime we see... A problem with a big toe, we think about gout. Gout. Gout is a condition where your uric acid is up. It's usually seen in people who have a family history of of gout. And the most common presentation of gout is a hot, swollen, tender, big toe. Charles, are you with us? Yes. We were talking about your toe without you. So what's going on with your toe? Sounds like you're on a train going to uh, the Bahamas. Hello? Tell us about your toe. Yes, uh, I've been having problems out of my big toe on my left foot. Yep. I went to the uh, I went to the doctor the other day, and they took my uric acid and sent my blood work off and everything like that. Yep. And all my blood work and everything came back normal. Mm-hmm. They also x-rayed my foot, and they didn't see no abnormalities as far as arthritis is concerned. Mm-hmm. But I'm still having pain in my big toe real bad. I can't understand what keeps causing it. Okay, I so am a diabetic. Okay, so uh, one thing you uh, so does anybody in your family have gout? Uh, no, sir. Okay, and what was your uric acid level? Did they tell you? Uh she the 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 the, the lady that sent it off. 
she didn't say exactly what it was, but she said it was normal. Okay, well, your uric acid is frequently normal during a gout attack because uh-huh. all the uric acid goes to your toe and your joints. Uh-huh. So just because it's normal doesn't mean that you don't have gout. And uh-huh. w- what she should do is give you a short course of colchicine, colchicine, uh-huh. to see if that stops it. And <clears throat> colchicine is pretty much diagnostic for gout and gout-like illnesses. So what I would do is get on the phone, call uh-huh. her up, and ask if you could try colchicine and see if it gets colchicine. better. Colchicine. C-O-L-C-H-I-C-I-N-E. And, uh-huh. um, and uh, tell her that you talked to a rheumatologist, me, uh, who okay. said your gout, uh, your uric acid could be normal during a town of gout. Now, if it's okay. not that, there are other things that can cause uh, problems in your big toe. And the most common uh-huh. one, of course, is osteoarthritis of the big toe. And that frequently does not show up on x-ray until it's advanced. But okay. before you get that sorted out, uh, go to that, you need to sit, make sure you don't have gout because if you don't, you can get kidney stones and other other problems. Is that helpful, Charles? Okay. If you send me an email at southernremedy.mpbonline.org, I will send you a, uh, a patient information sheet on all that, okay? Let's go to Carl in Hickory Flat. Hey, Carl. Carl, you there? Yeah. We're here for you. What happened? Uh, about six months ago, I cut my pinky finger right there. I was working on a car and caught it on one of the electric fans there, and it cut off the end of my, not off, it toward the front side of, not on the fingernail side, but the other side. It just tore it off there. There wasn't no meat there, and I went through the hospital right there, and they couldn't sew it up. They could only put two stitches in it. Well, all that meat there is going to grow back on there, but now it's very, very touchy. And it's 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 got coloration to it, mm. red and blue. And I didn't, I know I think that's nerve endings. Okay, you got you got a surgeon. Go what, you you know? got a surgeon here that can help you figure that out. Well, I, I think you need to have somebody look at it again and make sure it's healing okay and there's no other damage that needs to be repaired. But I I, I think you need to find some position to take a look at it so can you actually use your flex your uh little your pinky yeah yeah uh, uh-huh. i mean it's got all the functions well, what does it look like does it look like a drumstick it looks funny now i guess but... no i mean it, it it does look a little bit funny though but i mean it, it healed up good and it don't there's no pain there but it's just real touchy uh-huh. so and, uh so when some... uh, sometimes right there it feels like a rubber band like when you're stretching a rubber band when you straighten it all the way out yeah, so so Dr. Helling uh, knows what healing by intention means. That's when stuff heals up on its own, and sometimes you can get some nerve damage in that process that you don't get when you can actually sew it up, right? Right, there can be some nerve damage anyway from the injury. Right, yeah. so you need to get that seen again. We've been really, really happy to be visiting with you. And if uh, you want to take another listen to the program, it's available uh, this Sunday at 6 a.m. Such a clock. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and it's been great to have our colleague, Dr. Thomas Helling, uh, with us today. We appreciate uh, your listening, and we'll be back same time, same place next week for another live dose of Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. 
Thanks for listening. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio. This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy. Live